in podcasting, not everything is guns and roses. Hi, welcome to the Gospel of Kennison, episode 183, brought to you the week of July 31st, 2023. I'm your host, James Kennison. This is my personal audio journal. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm feeling a little cheated uh, because depression let me go, what, two weeks ago or so, a week and a half ago. And now it's starting to creep back in, but I'm going to fight it by God. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it so hard. Um, I've started by making lists of things I need to do for the next day. And that way I'll, I'll have it planned in advance. And that makes it easier because what I found is when you're not motivated, when you're feeling no motivation, no energy, you do nothing. But if you give yourself a list, now I'm not talking about a list of things that somebody else gives you. I'm talking about a list you make yourself. It gets you prepared and you have time to get ready for it. And then you just can do it better. Now, when you're on zero energy, I don't know that it works, but at this level it does. And it's good that I have things, um, booked in advance, which I'll tell you about in a minute. And, uh, it's good that I wrote some things down last night that I needed to get it done today. Cause I've gotten all of them done. So there you go. Um, I am speaking of things that are, you know, booked in advance while I was feeling happy, happiest, uh, I decided I need to get, you know, I need to get stuff in order. I, I need to use the time I have as much and as well as possible. And so I signed up, uh, my, my, my passion right now is to try stand up comedy. Okay. And I've, done stand-up well i've done i've been a pastor and spoke in front of thousands of people no big deal right i've done podcasting for over a dozen years and i know somewhat how to be funny on a microphone but i've never combined the two and and for some reason you would think it'd be a natural bridge but it's not and so i thought maybe an improv class would help and so I'm jumping into this thing, hoping it bridges the gap. Well, lo and behold, Jim Gaffigan, one of my favorite uh, comedians, has got a new special out called Dark Pale. Haven't seen it yet. It came out five days ago. Um, but he did a, 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 a very short, I want to say 60 second review of his entire life. And it talked about how he was, you know, raised in this family and blah, blah, blah. And how he was in a job he wasn't crazy about, but he wanted to do stand-up, but he was scared to death to get on stage. And so he took an improv class and blah, 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 blah. And it, and it just went on from there. And I'm like, that was like, you know, I don't want to use a Christian term, but it was like confirmation. And it's so great because me and my wife were at dinner Saturday night and I started to bring this up and she was like, I saw that I was going to tell you. And you know, she's been kind of wondering about this improv thing because, you know, she's totally opposite from me, but she's like, she's adopted the thing of whatever gets me moving forward, whatever keeps me engaged, whatever makes me happy, she's going to support it, even if she didn't get it. But that's, that's fair because I don't get what she does either. And, uh, and she even asked me about it. She's like, when I tell you things about my job, um, 
do you really understand? And I, and I was like, I do. And I don't like when you talk about whatever, you know, you're, you're what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing, but I understand the effect it has on you. And I understand how frustrating it is. I was like, just for example, if, um, if I were to come to you and talk about something you didn't know anything about, like a Dieseldorf, you know, and I said, boy, I'm so glad that Dieseldorf is, um, wrapping up today. You would take from that, you know, that I'm pretty happy about it. It's been pretty stress-free, but, uh, the Dieseldorf, I'm so glad it's wrapping up today. So I don't have to know what a Dieseldorf is, but I can tell it's been stressful and you'll be glad it's over, you know? So that's kind of what I told her and she understands. So, um, so anyway, she supports me. I support her. She doesn't understand me. I have no clue what she's doing. So it works out great. It's a good marriage. We've been married 27 years. Something's going right, you know? So anyway, that Jim Gaffigan thing was just like, oh, it was like a, like a voice from above, you know, the, the sky split open, the sun rays came down. But like I said, at the very beginning of the show, not everything's guns and roses though. Um, I've, I don't know. I, I have haters. <laughs> There's not very many of them, but there are people, I guess we've gotten big enough. You know, there are people that listen to my show and they listen, uh, and they hate me. And I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I can understand hating me. I'm not a big fan of myself either. But um, listening to someone you hate, just to get mad, I guess, or just to to churn that hate inside, I, I don't I don't get. I don't I don't understand that at all. Back when I was super right wing, and I used to re- listen to Sean Hannity all the time, and and, and Mitch Hedberg. Um, what's his name? The the guy that died. Uh, 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 anyway, I don't remember. Um, I used to listen to them all the time and people would call in and they're like, I disagree with you on this. And I'm like, why are they listening? You know, of course the show wouldn't be half what it was without him, you know, disagreeing with him and have him having a chance to defend his beliefs and blah, blah, blah. But, um, anyway, I, 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 not every, not every email I get is supportive and awesome. And many of them have been so many. I wish I could sit down and read through, um, all of them um, because so many supportive things have come in over the last uh, three months and people that understand and people that get it. So what I'm going to do instead of reading all of those is I'm going to read uh, one particular email uh, message actually that came in through discord uh, of somebody who is sick to death of me. <laughs> so, and he might be right. He might be right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go through it after I read it and I'll let you make up your own decisions. I won't preload it. I'll, I'll kind of respond to it, uh, after the fact, here we go. Uh, I'm not going to mention who it is obviously, but, uh, James, I have loved the show. I have listened to it since around 20, uh, or 2008. Your childhood reminds me so much of mine. I just got to say, Stop, all caps. Stop talking about depression. We all know you have it. I'm so, I'm so tired of hearing I'm tired. I just don't feel like podcasting. I work outside, and it is 102 degrees right now, and I walk 14 miles every day in this. I am tired, all caps. Have I ever had depression? No. 
But I can tell you this, my job sucks, all caps. But I still have to do it. And I've had a heat stroke out here and 14 heat exhaustions. And I still have to go to work and support my family. My wife can't work because she has had to take care of our medically fragile child. I don't even make enough money to support my family on a single income. I am on my third loan right now to pay off debt. Am I being a little mean? A little. But it's the truth. Life is tough, man. I hate to say it, but you need to toughen up sometimes. You're on... You are the only podcast I've ever thought about being a patron for, but you disappear for months or years without telling people what's going on. I fully expect to be banned. Goodbye, fellow homeschoolers. TLDR, which means uh, too long didn't read for people that don't want to read the whole thing. Life sucks. Toughen up. So I'd like to start by saying he's, he's, he's not wrong about life's tough. Um, but... Uh, oh, and he says he's never been depressed, which is true, because if he had, he would understand. Um, now, my my uh, my moderators on Discord got a little trigger happy, and they they deleted his message, which I told them I did not agree with. And, um, and then he left the server, I guess. I don't know. I would. I would have if I was him, you know. You, you spill your guts like that. You pour yourself out. You are getting rid of a lot of anger, but you're also um, putting your heart on your sleeve and that's dangerous. And I do that with this show a lot. And so I understand because you post stuff up and you're like, Oh God, did I overshare? You know? Um, so he left, but they banned him. And I, I was like, gosh, guys, we can't, we can't do that. We've got to, so they unbanned him, but he has uh, made it impossible for me to communicate with him. And I would love to, uh, and I can't, so I'm going to kind of do that through this. Uh, because there's two things when I read this email. At first, it seems really mean, right? But I hear someone venting, not about me, but about their situation. And that's that's what I do. Except it's about depression. Um, and then I hear someone that reminds me of me before I had depression because I was very critical and very much did not believe in it and very much did not get it. So I want to address those two things. First of all, um, whoever you are, uh, I'm sorry your job sucks. I'm sorry your life is hard. I hate it. Hate it for you. You're obviously a very strong person. And I think that's great. Your family is lucky and blessed to have you. But that being said, every one of us has our struggle. Every one of us has something, I believe, that balances out the good things in our life and makes everyone's life pretty much comparable. Like, I've known rich people that I would have envied had I not known that they 
had no connection with their children, that all they had was their money and their cars, you know, that they had illnesses. I've known people that look amazing. They're beautiful people. They have perfect homes. Um, but there's a level of brokenness and suffering and pain. Rather, like you said, through a medically fragile child or something that that just everybody's got it made in some area and then everybody's got it really bad in some other. And it's just, you know, it's just my GOK. It's my gospel of Kinnison. But I think everybody's got just enough enough, just enough of both to where you don't want to envy somebody else's position in life because you don't know what you're envying because it could be something really bad. Um, and you also don't want to compare. You don't want to hold up your struggle against somebody else's and say, my struggle is worse than your struggle because you don't know. And you even admit that you say, have I ever had depression? No. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say mine's worse than yours or yours worse than mine. I'm just going to say that we all have our struggles. And when we start comparing them, that's, that's dangerous. I think it's irresponsible. And I, I think it's, uh, I think it's immature. I think it's immature. And I say that not to be an insult, but because I've learned that since I was younger and experience has taught me that. So, uh, I don't judge people suffering by how good of a story it makes. I judge it by how it affects the person it's that's going through it. And, and I'll, I'll explain. I used to go, uh, to Sheffield family center. I worked there and I was part of the youth group. And early on when I first started, especially I was freshly transferred from the Georgia, Florida area, the South to suddenly being in the inner city in Kansas city. One of the toughest, uh, you know, high murder rate cities outside of St. Louis and Chicago that there is. And I would sit and minister with these kids and they would tell me things. And I remember the first heart to heart I had with a kid was after a, uh, a school assembly we did and he was in mourning and, and I asked him, you know, what's going on? And he says, well, I was playing basketball just the other, just the other day with my friends and my cousin went up for a layup and he got shot and came down dead. And I was blown away, absolutely blown away. Um, and had no clue what to say to him. Had no idea. I, I felt so white and so rednecky and so out of touch. And it, it affected me so much. I still remember it today, obviously. And I had to do a lot of praying and stuff because I'm like, what have I done? I've moved myself to this area and I have nothing to give these kids who are going through so much suffering and struggle. And 
So what I came to was, you know, their heroes were, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, their heroes were these musicians and rappers. And I'm like, how can you compete with them? And the answer that came back was, well, those guys don't know, you know, your kids know them, but they don't know the kids and they're not there, but you are, and you're an ear. You don't have to have the answers. You just need to be there, support and listen. And that empowered me to continue at least to get there. Um, while I got toughened up, you know? So, uh, cause I heard a lot worse than that <laughs> and experienced, you know, went through a lot worse than that as time went by. Um, but one of the things that I did learn from hearing so many different stories, uh, and, and being in a diverse location like Sheffield is I would sit with this one kid in here about his cousin getting shot during a basketball game. But then I would sit with a white kid and hear about how their parent, her parents weren't getting along and how much that shook her, uh, her stability in her life. And it would be very easy for me to go, well, you need to toughen up because I just talk with a kid that doesn't even have a dad, never met his dad. He's poor and his cousin got shot. So your suffering shouldn't matter. You, you don't, you don't even know what suffering is, but that's when I realized that again, I'll say it. You don't judge people's suffering by how good of a story it makes because inner city youth are going to beat it every time you judge it by how the, the effect that it has on the life of the person who's experiencing it. And so to a child that's 12 years old, the bully that's picking on them at school is the biggest and hardest and worst thing they've been through up to that point. The girl whose parents are fighting and upsetting her stability and making her wonder if she, she's going to make it through. And if it's her fault, that's her struggle. That's the biggest and worst thing she's ever dealt with. The kid whose grandmother fell asleep and they all flew out of the car and her little sister died. Um, that's that's their struggle. That's the worst thing they've been through. And, and and in that case, actually, it wasn't the worst thing they'd ever been through. Being abandoned by their mother was. So it's it's not fair, honestly, dude, to to take and compare struggles, especially when you don't know. Especially when you don't know. When you don't know the struggle when you haven't walked a mile in somebody else's shoes. Um, and there is a little bit of um, hip, 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 hypocrisy in your, in your uh, message because you don't want me to vent about something that is my struggle. But then yet you go through the rest of the message and vent about your struggle. So we've established so far that uh, comparing struggles is, is not fair. Um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not healthy. 
and you you don't know what you're it, it involves jealousy um like because the unsaid part of your message is i wish depression is all i had to deal with i wish i have a child that's medically fragile i i can only make one income i have debt that is so bad i've got I'm on my third loan to try to make ends meet. That does suck. That is horrible. But let me tell you, your wish would not come true the way you think it would. You would still have all the crap you have to deal with, and then depression would be on top of it. That's the way jealousy and envy works, is you get your wish. But it's not a trade. It's an addition. So don't ever, God, don't ever wish something like that on yourself. No, I would never urge you to be grateful for your struggle. Okay. Some people preach it that way and they're like, you're supposed to be grateful. You're supposed to be thankful in the midst of, you know, you struggle. You're supposed to thank God. No, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's no verse in the Bible that says uh, to be thankful for the struggles in your life, but you can be thankful in them. Okay, there's still praise due to God for the things that we take for granted because everything we take for granted, everything that is normal is a miracle. Breathing air, waking up, having a place to sleep, a roof over your head. Everything that is normal for you is a miracle. That's why we have to be thankful in spite of our struggle, in the midst of our struggle, right in the middle of it. And we never thank God that... We're on our third loan. We never thank God for that fragile uh, fragility of our child, but we still thank God for the child and we still thank God for the job and we still thank God for our lives, our life, our lives, <laughs> our lives. We thank God for lice. Uh, so I feel your pain, bro. I, if, if I thought what I used to think about depression, I would be mad too. So let me just address that last, lastly. Um, there's a lot of people that are on your side of the fence on this, dude. A lot of people, especially in church, especially pastors. Church people are about 10, 15 years behind society on just about everything because it's a sub, subculture that is lock themselves into only communicating with people of like-minded faith. They're afraid of anything that goes against exactly what they believe. They can't fathom it. Even though the Bible says to test and prove, even though it says the trying of your faith is more precious than gold, uh, even though it talks about the refiner's fire, all those things happen with heat, with suffering, with struggle, with testing with trying, with putting your faith to the test and having experiences that put your faith through the ringer. People don't want to do that, so they they go to church, they separate themselves from the world, and they do their best to, to isolate themselves. Um, I used to be one of those people. And I believed that Two things, two things about depression that one, it was an excuse for people not to live their lives, um, to be lazy, 
or, or, and, or if it was real, that it was because of some sort of shortcoming in their life. They didn't have, live with enough faith. Um, they had hidden sin. They were not right with God. And um, that's why my struggle when it started uh, wasn't my first struggle, but the struggle with depression started so slow and so slightly. Um, and then how I started to deal with it was so slow. Like I started with natural things like St. John's wort. Um, I started taking um, uh, supplements, you know, that, that I'd read online that would help supposedly never, nothing ever did. It just got worse. Um, I started seeing a counselor because I thought I could just counsel it away. Uh, and it took about five sessions for him to say, Oh, you know what? You have depression. And I'm like, and he, he was saying it kind of, cause I was struggling with God. I was struggling with faith. I was struggling with family. I was struggling with everything. And he's like, oh, you just have depression. And like, like it was no big deal. He's like, yeah, you can go get medicine for that. And I was like, there's no way. There's no freaking way. I, I'm not, my stepdad, or my real dad rather, was uh, manic depressive. There's no way I'm going to get on medication. There's no way I'm going to get all drugged out. And he's like, no, 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 no. Back then they used to treat it uh, with narcotics, stuff like that. And nowadays they have stuff that releases and helps your brain release chemicals naturally that it's not releasing. It's totally different now. And I said, no. So I prayed and I begged and I struggled and I suffered and I struggled and I worked and I gritted my teeth and I held my breath and I worked through the panic attacks and I worked through the depression and I held my crap together and I smiled when I couldn't smile and I served when I couldn't serve. And I went and I went and I went and to the point that I finally said, I got to have some help. And I went to my doctor so freaking low, so freaking humbled. So just feeling like a complete failure, convinced that I was heading down the same road that my mother and my father had with their dependents on medications and said, what can you give me? And they gave me some Balta and I lasted on some Balta for, I want to say two years. Things were great. It did seem to hype up my, my, um, not just my energy, but my emotions as well. So I would get a little too angry at times. I threw a chair down the stairs and broke it one time out of anger. And I was just, you know, that just wasn't me. And it's definitely not me now. So it was bad enough, though, that we sat down and because as a family, me and my wife, and we made a five-year plan and we decided to make some major changes. And one of those changes revolved around the fact that I could not handle working at Sheffield, a church of 5,000 with 350 kids plus, uh, plus junior church. I couldn't, I, I felt like that was my problem. So I didn't know. I didn't know what depression was. I just, I assumed it was just because of my situation. So I wanted to change my situation. So we moved to Florida, church of 500, about 50, 58, 60 kids. Uh, you know, I was over nursery, but they had a coordinator. I was over junior church, but we had people and things were good. 
for a while, but then it followed me there. And it was there that I had to go to my first psychiatrist. And it was with, because my doctor says, I can't help you anymore. You need to see a psychiatrist. And I, I just felt like an utter failure. And I just remember sitting in that waiting room with my jacket over my head, like some sort of crazy person. And I couldn't look at anybody. I couldn't let anybody look at me. And I did that. I just, I just did that for so long. I was so ashamed. I, I didn't tell anybody. All right. I've gone far enough to just let you know that I'm stronger than you're giving me credit for. Life is tough. And for you to say you need to toughen up sometimes, hey, you know, I, I think that's true of, uh, of everybody. We all have times where we need to be stronger. And truth be told, I'm sure that there are times in my experience this this depression experience that i've had over the last decade plus there have been times where i probably could have got my butt out of bed and probably could have done more than i did i think today is an example of that day where i did more than i should have or usually would have but um I'm telling you that I have fought this thing since day one. I did not want to quit my job. I did not want to quit my calling. I did not want to be a burden on my freaking family. I didn't want to feel like crap. I didn't want to feel suicidal. I didn't want to be like my father, my mother. I didn't want to rip the security right out from under my wife's feet of someone that had a job just in case hers fell apart. I didn't want to put the onus of income for the family on her completely. I didn't want to separate myself from my family. I didn't, there's a, there's a lot of things very, very tough. And you don't understand. And because of that, you have, you should anyway, give me the benefit of the doubt. Because I don't understand your situation either. And earlier I kind of did it where I said, your situation sucks, but imagine having depression on top of that. So maybe I'm a hypocrite too. I think my point was not to be, comparing struggles but i i'm gonna give you that your struggle is absolutely the worst i'm gonna give you that and i'm gonna feel for you and if i knew you and if you hadn't set yourself up against me and you had asked and I probably should, even though I won't. There could have been a relationship and a connection and some prayer done. 
Lord, would you bless this guy? Would you give him a break? Would you give him some sunshine in his life? He's doing the best he can. He's at the end of his rope. He needs a light installed at the end of the tunnel. Would you walk with him? Would you go with him? Would you be with him? Would you let your presence be known? Would you show him the purpose of his struggle? Would you show him the hero that he could be to his family? And is, I'm sure, to his wife and to his child, though the child may not understand at this point in time. May your plan be unfolded to him. And may you help me learn any lesson I must learn from this message that he gave. Above all, make us humble. Help us to grow in our faith and our belief in you. Help us to depend on you. And don't ever get us, let us be in a point where we don't need you to, to, to live. Bless everyone that listens to this show with their struggles and their heartbreaks and their feelings. I know there's a lot of people that deal with depression that listen to this show. And I know there's a lot of people that sympathize because they know someone that does or they have their own struggles. Bless them as well. Bless my listeners, God. Even though this world is so freaking full of evil and it's so easy to see the hand of Satan at work in this world. And even though it's a struggle to see the good, to see the light, the Bible says that even a little light outshines the darkness. Show us that light. Help us to refocus our vision. Help us to look for those little tiny wonderful miracles, the things that we take for granted, the things that are normal for us. Because I'm telling you, they're not normal for everybody around the world. Help us to be grateful and thankful, not because, not in, not because of our circumstances, but in our circumstances, in spite of them. You said that everything that happens to someone who is, that loves you and is called according to your purpose. Um, you said that, that for those kind of people, everything will work out for the good. So we lean on that promise. And we believe it, we claim it, and we thank you for it. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so I just got a spanking while I was saying I would pray for you if you weren't a butt. So I got told in my soul to, to not to, not to um, ask forgiveness, but to repent. And repenting isn't necessarily a prayer. By the way, it is literally a 180-degree turn. So <laughs> that's what you just witnessed right there is me getting my butt tore up and uh, doing a 180. All right, so what should we do when we know somebody's struggle is there? We should pray for them. We should. All right, that's what I've learned. I need to pray for my man. Uh, but don't belittle other people's struggles. Dad gummit. Don't, don't, and don't, don't do the opposite either. Comparing your struggles to somebody else's life and feeling like their life is so much better than yours. Because like, I, I mean, I told, I taught this to children. I told a story about a little boy that lived next door to another kid. And the other kid would have stuff brought to him. He, there would be presents, 
people would come by constantly. They'd bring flowers. They would come by constantly. Um, and he always seemed to be able to go on trips and things like that. And he, and the kid was, uh, watching all of this and he was so jealous and blah, blah, blah. Well, long story short, the kid had, that, that he was being jealous of had cancer. And so I used it as a, as a, as a warning to when you're being jealous of somebody, be careful because you don't know what you're being jealous of. Cause it doesn't work that you're just jealous of their bike. You, it doesn't work that way. You're jealous of their life. You're jealous of who they are. You want to be them. You want to emulate them. You want to be like them. You want to, and there is only one them. There's only one person. God did not make you to be that person. He did not give them what he gave you. For some reason or another, he gives different amounts to different people. The Bible backs that up with the gifts of the, or with the story of the, ta- the talents. We don't know why, but everybody's a genius at something. And everybody struggles. Everybody's got something they do well. And then they got a bunch of crap they can't do worth a crap. So it's, don't be jealous. I have someone that I love very much that they live in the shadow of everyone else's life because they believe the Instagram photos. They believe the, the Facebook highlights because nobody posts their crap. Nobody posts the dark days. I'll just wrap it up like this. Um, Let's see. He says, I've thought about being a patron, but you disappear for months or years without telling me what's going on. He's right. He's right. I went for two years and I couldn't face telling people that I couldn't podcast because it is pitiful. It is the worst. That's, that's how, that's where my struggle is at. That when I can't do the simplest thing, I feel so much shame that I can't even get on the mic to say, look, I'm taking a break. I'll see you guys when I see you. I can't even do that because I feel like such a loser. So maybe, maybe he's right. I need to toughen up. Oh, I, it's funny though. I, I am determined, like I said, at the top of the show that since it's only been a couple of weeks and I'm already feeling like the depression is coming back again, that I am, I am definitely angry <laughs> instead of upset. Um, instead of depressed about it, like, cause it only gave me a week and a half and I've got stuff set up. I've got this improv class. I've got interviews with comedians set up. I've got interviews, uh, these interactive stories that I'm going to start doing for that story show. I've got three set up for today and I'm so glad that I do because I'm going to do them. And I had stuff written down from yesterday that I did today. I replaced the air filter in the air conditioner. I put a new battery in my car and I made an appointment to get new tires. Those things may sound stupid and simple, but they are major accomplishments in my life because I am a loser because of my stupid, stupid struggle. And I can understand dude, why my life would seem like a, just a big complain fest. Like I'm just complaining about nothing and why it looks like laziness because it does. It, 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 it makes, makes you look like the laziest person in the world. Even self care, like showers and brushing your teeth can hurt. 
it hurts. I still do it. But doesn't that, don't I get credit for being tough? I don't know. Maybe not. So you wouldn't let me address it one-on-one, so I had to address it through the podcast. Maybe there's, I have to imagine that there are other people that, that believe like you that have heard my podcast and heard my stories and they've heard I'm depressed. And, and they're like, what the freak ever? You're, you're a comedy man. You got Patreon money coming in. You're, you're famous in your own little circle. You know, you, you've got it made. You've got a wife and kids and you don't struggle financially and blah, 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 blah. But you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. And trust me, you don't want to be jealous of James. And just like no more than I would want to be jealous of you. But can't we struggle together? The Bible says that when we get together, we're supposed to confess our sins one to another. I believe that it goes further than that. Or actually, not as far as that. I think if we're confessing our sins, we're definitely on the same page to share our struggles. And in church, sometimes it's easier to express what your sins are because you go down to the altar and you whisper in somebody's ear and you repent and you get right and you move on than it is our struggles. It's easier to admit our sins than our struggles because what you struggle with are the things that you can't seem to stop doing. And you don't go to the altar for things that you can't stop doing. Or that don't seem like they'll ever stop. So anyway. I don't know what else to say on the subject. Um, I My heart is I, I don't, I don't want to be a whiny baby. But this is my struggle. And. The only thing I can compare it to is if you had cancer and you had a podcast, you would talk about how cancer is affecting your life. You would talk about the treatments. You would talk about how your hair's falling out. You would talk about how, how it's messing with your spouse and your kids and, and how long you've got left and you would give updates and all that kind of stuff. If you freaking got in an accident and lost a leg, you would talk about that if you were in my position. Um, so, it's what I do. If you, if you don't like it, then d- do me and yourself a favor and don't listen. There are so many podcasts out there. Whatever you're interested in, whatever you struggle with, there is something out there that would, that would help. And I can just tell you in my heart, my, 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 my heart of hearts is, and that's the part I felt got judged today in my heart of hearts. It's not, my podcast is not meant to be a vent for me to just complain and, and get people to feel sorry for me. That is not what I want. What I want is to communicate honestly and openly about how it feels so that people that are struggling too will say, Oh my God, it's not just me. Because when you think, Oh my God, it's not just me. You think I don't need to kill myself. It's not unique. It's how it does everybody. 
It's part of the illness. It's not part of me being broken. It's not part of having a messed up mind. It's just this freaking illness. It's trying to kill me and it's trying to kill James too. And James is struggling and I'm struggling in a similar way. And I don't know how to explain it to someone who hasn't been there, but when you know somebody else has a struggle and you, and you hear something that you thought was so weird and obnoxious and, and weird, just weird about yourself. And you hear somebody else say it, it, it makes you not feel weird. <laughs> it makes you feel like, okay, you know, I'm not crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy, crazy. So, all right, let's, uh, let's leave it there. What am I reading? Um, thanks for asking. I just got through with Grapes of Wrath. That is not a story you want to read when you're depressed. <laughs> Grapes of Wrath by Steinbeck, I think. Isn't it? Uh, it's, a, it's a family. It's a story about a family who uh, is the Depression era, uh, the Dust Bowl, uh, being pulled from, I believe it was Alabama, to California with the promise of milk and honey and work and the struggles that they go through all the way through. And oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's fiction, but I would put it in historical fiction because they go through a lot of stuff and it is very believable and it really points a finger at, at the way these guys, these, these poor farmers were, uh, taken advantage of. So I finished that. And now I, I've always wondered what the deal is with Lovecraft, you know, um, his works, his stories, Lovecraftian game styles and things like that. So I started listening to, uh, one called Necronomicon, which I understand means book of the dead, but it's a, it's a group of his short stories. And I'd always heard about his monster, the big octopus headed, uh, Cthulhu and you know wondered what the big deal is and I I listened to it and um it's just not my thing he's not my writer uh he he seems a bit lazy to me um Stephen King's much better and um it's well written it's expertly written except for his descriptions of things he tends to just say that the fear or this feeling or this creature was beyond description that couldn't be written by mortal hands. And, and I'm supposed to just accept that, but it comes across to me as just lazy writing. Like you could, if you wanted to describe just about anything. I mean, the closest thing Stephen King ever came to that was at the end of it, where he said the creature was so horrific that the kids minds could only conceive of it as a giant spider. So he did explain it but he still left you with this. It's not a spider. It's something worse, but that's all they could see because it was so bad. You see what I'm saying? So he didn't worm his way around it by just saying it was inconceivable and unwritable by man. I don't know. So I'm done with Lovecraft and I'm actually listening to a book that sounds horrible, but I wanted to read about a person getting out of a cult. And so this book is called Sex Cult Nun. And it sounds like pornography. <laughs> I understand that. But it was available in uh, the, the library. And it's a story of a 
lady who was raised in the children of God cult. Uh, her grandfather was the leader of it. And she's talking about growing up in a three parent household, a husband with two wives. And, uh, you know, it's so far so good. It's scratching all my itches as far as wanting to know what the struggle was like and what life was like and what misinformation they were being fed, things like that. So, um, as far as what I'm watching, I'm trying to go watch Barbie. I want to see Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, very interested in both. Cause I heard Barbie was good and I, I, I like a good fun movie. Um, concerts and music. I've been listening to a lot of walk off the earth, walk off the earth. I've been following them for a long time. Look them up on YouTube. They do. They finally found their niche and they do fun and uplifting music. That's what they do. And they do it in very creative ways. And they have this gorgeous little son who's so cute and so precious is what I should have said instead of gorgeous. Um, (laughs) I just meant it in a, in a positive way. So don't read into it. Um, He's just so precious and he sings with them and they let him into the band once in a while. And it's so great. And I hope he performs at the, at the concert. Um, but he's, uh, him and his brothers and stuff do this stuff and it's just great. But the, but they found their niche and their niche is poppy, happy, fun, positive music. And, uh, I would love to share them with you and I'm going to see them on August 14th here in St. Louis. Uh, so I'd also like to direct you to the, my latest podcast over on that story show, that story show. We did an interview with, uh, Andrea Kaspari, 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 Andrea Kaspari. She is a award-winning comedian from Kansas city. She's a teacher who also does stand up comedy. She's been on dry bar, uh, which is super clean, super awesome, uh, uh, you are a uh, channel on YouTube. I got it out. So uh, go check that out. It is episode number 442. And she's just fantastic. And she's offered to mentor me and um, let me bounce my material off of her. And she's just super, super great. So go listen to that episode. It'd be great. Uh, thank you so much to our patrons with special thanks to Carrie Wright, Carrie Bernhardt. Become a sponsor today and, and uh, support me at patreon.com slash GOK, unless you hate me, <laughs> in which case just send me an email <laughs> and maybe you'll make it on the show. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This show is part of the Nobody's Listening podcast community. Get more at nlcast.com.